Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by ThatLeisureShop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. I ask the stupid questions and Motorhome Matt Sims, he is the expert at the news in today's podcast. You're back from Suffolk and seriously injured. Broke a rib. Yes, I heard. You were roughed up by the toilet cassette mafia. <laughs> I told you, don't make me laugh. Yeah, yeah n- not quite. I fell out of the back of the trailer, and uh, my foot got stuck on a on a windbreak pole, and I went headfirst into the ground. Yeah, um, of course, you did. Eleven <laughs> o'clock at night after the pub's shut. Was it? <laughs> no. it was mid afternoon, and my arm went up into my chest, wearing my watch, and it hit yeah. my rib cage and crack. Ambulanced away. I tell you what, I want to say thank you again to the medical team at the Norfolk Showground. They were phenomenal. Uh, and the Warners show organisers were just superb. Penny to Mark on security and to Darren, who is looks after all the organ, all of the uh, exhibitors. All the organs. Brilliant. They <laughs> looks after the organs, my organs. I yeah. thought you cracked your ribs. L- l- yeah, I did. Luckily, didn't puncture a lung. Scratched one, I think. Did it really? Wow. Yeah. How are you feeling today? Breathless. We won a trophy and you found it. I, I did. You might recall if you were listening to an earlier podcast that we had still won a trophy, but Matt couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. it was I lost the, it, it. It was in the back room. It was, it's got, it had a loads of lipstick all over it. <laughs> it's finally admitted to having it now. It was Where buried was it? in my office in a box under a pile of paperwork. What was it? There it is. Look at it gleaming. It's lovely. What, what's the award for then? The uh, UK Enterprise Awards, uh, 2023, the best leisure vehicle podcast of the year. And that's not one you send a hundred pound off for, and they just send you a, a trophy in three hundred pound. No, I believe it's a genuine award. Is it? How good is that? Shall we put it there for the camera to see? Let's put it there. Yeah, if you're on YouTube, there it is. It's real. We've got it. Don't drop it. <laughs> Yeah, very pleased with that. That's the second award we've won. That's good, isn't it? That's fantastic. Yeah. Multi-award winners. That's good. We, we are now, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some of the other news. Um, a big story which has broken, as we record this in the last 24 hours, is the Court of Appeal have come back about that camping that's been going on, or lack of it, mm. uh, on Dartmoor. Can you just outline what the background was? Yeah, so one, Alex Darwell owns a big piece of Dartmoor. Uh, and went to the High Court and and managed to change a very historic ruling that while camping was permitted on Dartmoor, with now his land... We must say, unusually, the law as it applied on Dartmoor was different from most of the rest of the country. Yes, and so he removed that right to roam and the ability to wild camp. Well, he he didn't remove it. He went to court and the judgment went in his favour. True, Okay. And and now it has been appealed against, and the appeal was upheld yeah. by uh, the appeal judges. So what does that mean for people who want to go up into Dartmoor now? Well, it means you can once again wild camp in the true sense, which is arriving on foot or horseback with a backpack and a tent and at sundown pitching your tent and at sunrise packing up your tent and most importantly, leaving no trace. Leave no trace. Yeah. So unfortunately for us in a moto, it makes no difference at all. You know, whether the car park has reopened at the bottom of, you know, where this area was, I don't know, this article doesn't say, but hopefully it does, which means that people of limited mobility can regain access to this area of Dartmoor because that was changed as well. So it's just an interesting story where, as you say, unusually the rule was, whilst different, was changed. Uh, and it's been changed back for rules of common sense. And we must say 
he does own this land. And if you own land generally in the rest of the UK, uh, people do have to ask permission if they want to camp on it. With Dartmoor, that wasn't the case. Uh, and so this judgment upholds the law the way it was. But he does own the land. And as we said in a previous podcast, you know, I do have some sympathy with him. I mean, he owns it. should be up to him who he lets onto it and not. But now with this judgment, the law returns to the way it was, which is you can go up there, you can camp, but don't cause trouble and don't leave any trace. No, that's right. And that's the risk, I suppose, isn't it? That a minority will spoil it for the majority, as is often the way. OK, then, now let's talk about the Bristol International Balloon Fiesta. If you yeah. live anywhere near the West Country, you'll know it's a huge thing. If you're not, why don't you come down and visit? It really is spectacular when those balloons go up. You've got a big involvement this year. The Motome Holiday Company supplies motorhomes to the organisers of the show uh, so they can stay on site throughout uh, and it has a stand, as does that leisure shop. So we will be taking the shop there with a stand as well. Uh, and we're there throughout. And we're going to, this year, we're going to open the shop and the hire exhibit uh, really early. So the balloons go up very early in the morning, half six, and then again about half six in the evening. So people turn up often at lunchtime and say, well, there's no balloons. Well, there aren't. There are other things going on in the arena during the day. If you want to see the hot air balloons, it's really early start or a late finish. And as you say, on Thursday nights, the night glow, when all the balloons are tethered in the arena after they've come back from their flight, uh, and they tether them, tie them up in lines, and they light them up to music. It is a phenomenal mm. sight. It's amazing. The balloons um, illuminate, don't they? They do, yeah. They just burn the burners. And the weather forecast... At the moment, it's all sunshine, five mile an hour winds and 20 degrees. So potentially perfect balloon flying. So if you have never been to it, I would encourage you to make the trip. It is a spectacle that you will really want to see. Hundred plus balloons go up in one go. It's amazing. And some odd shapes, some of the weird shapes. Remember things like Bertie Bassett? Those types of balloons are so expensive to make they've kind of disappeared but there are some shapes coming back and they're really interesting to see so it's a great weekend if you're coming on it's completely free as well uh, you have to pay for parking pre-buy the parking on the website bristol balloon fiesta uh, but do come uh, free to get in great weekend and if you haven't been to bristol for a while don't forget the central area is subject to a clean air zone with a nine pound charge oh. The Motorhome Map podcast is brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. And let's talk a little bit about that leisure shop and the roaming Radfords. Oh, we love Steve and Lindsay and the kids. They are on their way to Morocco. They are a YouTube channel. The Roaming Radfords is the name. And they holiday in their very glitzy motorhome. It's a big Swift Contiki's massive. Steve very kindly he bought some chairs from us and promoted them on his channel. They're beautiful Bowcamp Stanwick's chair. He sat in them at the NEC show back in February and loved them and said, this is the nicest chair I've ever sat in. And uh, him and Lindsay now have two of them in green. They're available in clay as well, which is brown to you. <laughs> Burnt orange to the rest of us. Clay. Uh, and uh, we have a, an Instagram competition launching imminently uh, in partnership with Bocamp, who make these chairs. They are from the Netherlands, uh, and they really are a beautiful chair. So make sure you follow That Leisure Shop on Instagram, uh, and you will see the competition, and you have a chance to win, I think it's two chairs, any day coming soon. So go and find That Leisure Shop on Instagram. Give it a follow. Uh, free to enter. They're super chairs. And uh, thank you, Steve, for the promotion. And I hope you're in, in Morocco enjoying your chairs. So keep checking That Leisure Shop. Uh, on Instagram, okay? Let's dive into the main bit of today's podcast, brought to you with that leisure shop.com. Today we are talking about 
having those accidents when you're motorhoming or caravanning or camping, <laughs> just like Matt yeah. did. This was your yeah, idea. It was my idea, because I tell you what, Matt, over the last few months with his RAC breakdowns and his ribs and all the rest of it, if, if he invites you on holiday or anywhere near him, I, I wouldn't if I were you. He's clearly just been, say no. He's been cursed. We did have a nice time in Suffolk. Do you know what my takeaway was of Suffolk? What, 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 lying on the ground, looking up into the sky? Well, that was Norfolk, <laughs> actually, <laughs> saying at the Norfolk show. It was a bit, I lost the plot. I had, I had an absolute meltdown. I had a panic attack. Yeah. I started hyperventilating, yeah. sweating, yeah. Uh, shivering. Yeah. I started crying. Did you? My takeaway from Suffolk was definitely beautiful countryside, uh, very angry history, pink thatched cottages, and terrible driving. Suffolk pink is a colour. Is it? I reckon they've got Suffolk 10. Get 10% off at B&Q now on your pink. <laughs> every house is painted in it. <laughs> Suffolk pink is a colour. Yeah. Is it really? Yes, it is. Absolutely, 100%. They, all the big uh, paint companies do it. Right. That was beautiful. But we just seem to spend history nicking each other's castles. Each other's what? Castles. Oh, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about when you uh, go on your holiday in your prized vehicle or your caravan or, or camping. And what should you do to have enough stuff in the first aid kit in case a little accident does happen to you or a member of the family? Well, true. I mean, Jude and I were talking about this because we then went from the Norfolk show and travelled around Suffolk and we were chatting about you know, the impact of me being injured and unable to drive well I was okay I could rest my arm on the armrest and I had full mobility the only challenge I had was getting it into reverse but it did raise the conversation and then you said to me were you able to go off on holiday in the motorhome okay Uh, and so we thought right actually what should you do to prepare for a holiday and in the you know in the eventuality that you're you're taking ill and so here we are so we we've done a quick checklist let's fly through it shall Mm -hmm. we one of the interesting things was breakdown cover so what cover do you have from a breakdown service or indeed your insurer in the event that you break down not the vehicle because obviously yeah, we've talked about a lot about the RAC and the AA and breakdown services they're covering the vehicle but what about me so I actually asked them would you, the insurer or the breakdown service, recover the vehicle and take the passengers home? It's not a breakdown of the vehicle after all, so would this qualify? Uh, and the RAC responded. Uh, thank you to Paul for your response. Paul's the CEO. He says, yes, all our policies offer this solution to support as long as no one else in the party can drive. We would need to see a medical certificate to say the main driver is not fit to drive. It would still be covered. It is an additional benefit to RAC members. So what he's saying is that if you've got your your cracked or your broken rib and you can't drive and somebody else in your party can drive, you've got they've got to drive uh, yeah. the the van. And if so, if they're not insured, you've got to get him insured. Uh, but if nobody is there who can drive the van, then they want to see a medical certificate, which means you're going to have to go to A and E or see a doctor and get a certificate. So it's it's not as straightforward as yes, is it? No, but I was taken off in an ambulance and the paramedics that treated me filled out this massive A3 sheet. I was like colouring in by numbers. It was huge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I presume that would suffice. Yeah, but the RAC will want to see That's right, take, proof. A, take a picture and email it to them. I'm just saying. Caravan Guard responded as well. They're the insurers. All our policies include UK breakdown as standard. Within this, we provide injured driver cover. 
If a driver is injured during a journey and unable to drive and there's no one qualified to drive the motorhome, we will either recover the motorhome or provide and pay for a driver to take the motorhome and the people in it to your intended destination. A medical certificate may be requested from us. So broadly the same as RAC, but check your insurance. That's that's the key. Yeah, but they'll send a chauffeur. So I guess for them, it's about sending, yeah, just a driver that will drive your vehicle. And what did the AA have to say then? They said if you're the driver of your vehicle is unexpectedly taken ill during a journey and nobody else can drive for you to complete the journey, we may be prepared to make our national recovery service available. May be prepared. Yep. This is given at our discretion. Discretion. And we may... Are you repeating everything I say? And we may ask you for proof of illness before service is provided where appropriate. Yeah, as I've just pointed out, the caveat's there. May be prepared and discretion. So, yeah, when you get on the phone to them, don't start shouting, be nice, I think. (laughs) That'll go a long way. Yeah, but I thought that was brilliant. I didn't know that. So it's nice to know that your breakdown service and potentially your insurance company cover you. So I would say go and ask them before you, your insurer, certainly. We know the, the breakdown services, the big two, will cover you, uh, discretionary from the AA, but your insurer, I would go and ask it. That was Caravan Guard's take, so I'm sure others would do the same. And remember, ask. it doesn't have to be a life-threatening or even as serious as a cracked rib uh, like Matt's had. It could be you just sprained your ankle, and that, and that would make you incapable of driving unless it was an automatic uh, vehicle. Uh, and even then, you probably you know need somebody else to do it for you so, so don't think that oh, what are they talking about you know everything's fine you know this is the nanny state god mad it's it, it's not you know no but on on that if you broke your leg or broke your ankle your left one yeah and it's automatic i would still be checking with your insurance company that you are insured yeah. to drive yeah because well, although you can they might have a view certainly for our hirers our higher insurance would have a view that they would not be happy insuring someone with a broken ankle, even if it's an automatic motor. Yeah, and I'm sure the highway code's got something to say about it as well. Yeah, well, driving in, driving in bare feet, you're not allowed to do that. Well, flip-flops from next year. That's right, yeah. yeah. Hospital location, find out where your nearest hospital is, you know, when you're travelling to the campsite or going. Always useful to know. So if an emergency arises, you know, with you know, your kids suddenly get a tummy bug or something like that and you, yep. you get worried about it. You know, we have an NHS here. You're allowed to use it. Uh, just know where the hospital is and does it have uh, an accident? And it's worth checking, certainly yeah. with young children. When they get ill, they can get ill very quickly, yeah. can't they? So, yeah, we never bother doing this, do we? But it's definitely worth doing. We've had, again, higher customers to have their children taken ill and they have to rush off to hospital. You know, they find themselves then having a Google where the nearest A&E or walking centre is. And the other thing that's really useful app is What Three Words. Have you heard of What Three Words? I think it's absolutely brilliant. What a fantastic idea. Every three square metres of planet Earth is covered in three words. So you literally search the three words for where you are and then then the breakdown service or the emergency services can pinpoint uh, where you are within a a three square metre kind of tile. And they all use it. Uh, we use it here uh, for help people find us you know, on, on their sat-nav. Uh, my kids all have the app on their phone. You can download the app or you can just go to the website, w3w.com, I think it is. What three words? Yeah, I use the what three words to get uh, here to the studio. And funnily enough, it's spank me, baby. <laughs> so what can you do to say, stay safe then, Matt? Most of this is common sense. Fire safety equipment. That's the one, isn't it? So make sure you've got a fire blanket, a fire extinguisher, or something like a fire safety stick. Definitely worth checking out. Um, Your smoke and CO detectors. Make sure they're working. Check the batteries in them. 
I'm one for licking the 9-volt battery and on my tongue, and if it hurts, it's good. did that for years as a sound engineer, checking radio mic batteries and always got a funny look. Yeah. Um, Never did you any harm, any harm, any harm. None at all. Yeah. None, none, none at all. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just simple things. Make sure they are working because when you're asleep, they could be a lifesaver. We've talked also about habitation checks, so getting all of the vehicle checked if you've got gas and electric in there uh, in the cooker in the fridge in the hob and so on go and get a habitation check done we've done a whole episode on this in the past and why you should have one uh, and the first aid kit just get it out and open it and check that everything you know useful is in there but check the dates because glue expires on plasters I, I, and also um, modern uh, stitches if, uh, emergency stitches they use glue they on use them glue. as yep. well to close up a wound um, and the thing with the uh, first aid kit you bought it in a box it had everything in it you've used a couple of bits it's now just a box which you put new things into that's yep. the key you're saying check it but replace yeah absolutely yeah. top it up yeah after yeah. your trip if you've used anything make sure you top it up when did you last actually open your first aid kit and look in there yeah. I know for me it was a long time ago and then if you're taking medication if you've got asthma, I have mild asthma. My son Ruben does too. He was just on holiday last week with his mum whilst we were away. He was taken ill, left his Ventolin at home or in his sister's car. Had an asthma attack. So out came the paramedics with an ambulance uh, and giving him oxygen at night, imbued. And apparently they were brilliant, managed to get him to calm down. He, naughty boy, just didn't take his inhaler with him. But, but it happens. And the thing is, with asthma, uh, if you have asthma, uh, you know somebody with asthma, you know this. Um, I suppose I'm addressing this to the people who you know, may be going with somebody with asthma. Just because we can control something doesn't mean to say it isn't extremely dangerous. And so you want to avoid those asthma attacks. Yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah, I, I take a medication and inhaler every morning as a preventative. So mine is very much under control these days. Uh, I noticed I only had, I think it was nine days left of, of puffs. And we were away for seven. Yeah, just check you've got sufficient medication for your trip away. A pharmacy is always a good place. They will dispense you an emergency inhaler if you need one. Um, usually one where you might get two on the NHS. But you've got to be getting to the, the pharmacy while the attack is taking place. You have. Place. And I must say, we can tell you where all the pharmacies are around Suffolk, uh, having gone round and bought painkillers every other day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing. The painkillers in the supermarket, only about 32p a box. I think you can have, is it two boxes two. per person? I'll tell you what, not in a pharmacy in Suffolk, they're not. No. Like five quid. That's right. But in the, but super, then I was in buying... the supermarket by the checkout, I bought some um, I, uh, their own brand ibuprofen the other day. Thirty-two pence a box I, of ibuprofen. 16. Yeah. Oh, I was taking ibuprofen. Were you? <laughs> if I was taking ibuprofen, I, what, I, I what take you call ibuprofen. It? It's much better. Ibuprofen. Yeah. Uh, okay then. Uh, trip hazards. Uh, I mentioned the nanny state a little bit earlier, and people say, "Oh, people put that uh, yellow tape on." I know there's a step there. Yeah, until you fall over it. Trip hazards, it's a big deal, isn't it, as you can tell us? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this this was a windbreak that blew over as I was walking out of the trailer and my foot got stuck on it. So my upper body continued in the trajectory I'd originally intended for my feet as well and they, they didn't want to join it. So, yeah, just be mindful. It's so easy, isn't it, just to trip over the entrance step or have something on the floor, the dog on the floor. I mean, yeah, we've got an Adria twin, which is not a huge motome, and we took Reg with us, and, you know, he can be a trip hazard in, in the motome if he moves and you don't notice. But even guy ropes, Maddie was telling me yesterday she was away herself last, last month and, and in a tent with green guy ropes. They look really nice till it gets dark and you're on grass. 
<laughs> green guy ropes on green grass. What could possibly go wrong? Well, needless to say, several people tripped over a tent. The fairy lights, now there, you know, I see people dressing up their awnings and you think, really? And we were on a campsite. It was so funny, this guy putting his awning out. He wound out his Fiamma awning all the way, so it was nearly touching the floor. And I'm thinking, all you've done there is bend the arms, get the legs out. And then his wife decided to get one of the camping chairs out, and she was on her knees. The chair was upside down, trying to open this chair. There's a knack to opening a camping chair. And it was just, it was calamity. I wish I'd filmed it. And then they started dressing everything with fairy lights. It's like, for goodness sake, you're on holiday, just sit down. But you could see them. Well, at night, it was like Blackpool Illuminations. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah they had the awning tie-down straps up uh, and all lit up. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, a lot of people forget about the countryside. Even people who live in semi-rural areas, when it gets dark, it no, it really does get dark. Yeah, it was, well, where we were was very dark. Yeah. And then when you're travelling, make sure you secure everything as well because you know, we're talking about you tripping over stuff, but it's being mindful of stuff flying around in the van if in, a, in an accident would be terrible. But remember, you have to secure the dog. There are rules around travelling with pets. We've done an episode on this before. They have to be clipped into a seatbelt or secured to a to a anchor point. I know a few people who use CPAP machines for sleep apnea. That's where yep. people's breathing uh, blocks. They hold their breath and that wakes them up and then they start breathing again. And normally they have these machines to regulate their breathing. So you've got one of these machines and you're on a campsite. Are they pluggable in a ball? I mean, a lot of them work off the mains or of a 12 l When you're asleep and depending on it, you know, can you depend on the power of the campsite? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And that's actually, it's something I get asked a lot. Increasing number of people are using a CPAP machine because they are a game changer for their sleep. If you're on a hookup, yes, easy. You might, though, need to think about an extension lead because there isn't always a three-pin socket next to the bed. There are 12-volt CPAP machines, but they do draw quite a lot of power, so you might need to make sure you've got you know, strong batteries to cope with it, ideally lithium. Our higher fleet don't have lithium batteries in, and they can flatten the battery quite quickly. So we encourage people, if they need a CPAP machine, that they get onto a campsite with an electric hookup. So that would be my advice. It's the Motorhome Map Podcast, brought to you with leisureshop.com uh, after Matt's uh, accident accident in which he's uh, cracked his ribs uh, while he was motorhoming which is going through some of the things uh, which you need to pay attention to if you're uh, going away at all in the next few weeks uh, the next one on the list let people know where you are especially if traveling alone or you're yeah. off grid why well what if something happened to you what are you going to do i remember friends of mine went off on a motorbike it was a motorway that hadn't opened yet he had his wife on the back and they chose to ride up this motorway way too fast I have to say knowing the motorway wasn't yet open and the construction team had left the concrete blocks across the motorway and they hit them at over 120 mile an hour and it was the following day in the evening that they were found in the ditch both thankfully still alive but in a bad way uh, and of course nobody knew where they were so you know it's scenarios like that I'm not suggesting you get on a motorbike and go tearing it up the motorway that's closed at 140 mile an hour like they did but you know if you're taken ill and you're camping in a remote location who knows you're there that's the important thing the other thing is if you ever need access to a defibrillator they are dotted around our communities in fact there's there's thousands of them in the uk it seems they're everywhere and they're often on a wall with a green light and there's a brilliant website defibfinder.co.uk that tells you precisely where the nearest one is you can of course ring 999 and they will tell you 
where the nearest DFib is. In fact, you need to phone 999 to get the code to open it. But they are everywhere. So they're quite reassuring if you ever find that you're with someone who needs use of a defibrillator, defibfinder.co.uk. British Heart Foundation also has the locations, but I have to say their website was a bit clunkier than this. This was this took you straight to them. Really good. So that's defibfinder.co.uk. Yep. What's your ICE contact? Uh, in case of emergency. So ah. the uh, paramedics can access your contacts in your phone by typing in the word ICE, even if your smartphone is locked. Uh, and that is assumed to be your in case of emergency telephone number. Paramedics with your phone lock can search it, ICE, and that will come Freya's number. You can <laughs> set up your medical ID, so all medicines you take, any conditions you suffer with, again, paramedics can access that. And the iPhone and the iWatch do have uh, an alert if you're in a crash. So if you suddenly stop moving or suddenly seem to change direction, it can flash up on your phone that it's going to automatically call 999 and you can stop it and then it will tell you exactly where you are and they the paramedics will respond when to call 111 or 999 what's the difference between the two i guess the key criteria is whether there's a threat to life if there is then it's 999 um, but if you need medical advice then 111 yep. and interestingly on the continent it's 112 that is the emergency number it's worth saving that in your phone in case you forget because in the heat of the moment you know your brain panics and you know, the basic information gets forgotten so the universal number across europe is 112 there you go and remember 999 in this country is the emergency number it does differ it's like in america it's 911 isn't yeah. it so uh, you check if there's a treatment center nearby we, we 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 did mention when we started this about hospitals and a&es that's basically the same thing isn't it yeah i guess so there's walk-in centers as well um, if it's, you know, you've got a cut and it needs addressing, but also, you know, Google where the pharmacy is. You never know. They are really helpful. Pharmacists can dispense an awful lot of medicine uh, and they're generally really helpful people. Certainly the ones in Suffolk are. So um, no phone signal. A lot of this relies on phone signal, doesn't it? And mobiles. And one thing I know about, especially the UK, you get into the countryside and you can't depend on that signal. No. So in the old days, we just used to go to a phone box. But now if you go there, all you can do is read a book. No, well, what can you do? Well, you can get a beacon, I suppose, a torch. Lots of the torches we sell in the shop have a red light flashing function, which would be really helpful at night. It's possible that someone would see that. Interesting. Did you know that the international distress signal is made by six blasts of a whistle with an interval of one minute after every six blows? If your blasts are picked up by someone, you should expect to hear three whistles back. What you're likely to get is somebody saying, keep the, Shut noise, up. Keep the noise down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they will. That is the in, officially the international distress signal. So you never know. And you can, though, sign up to 999 texts. So this was set up by the RNID. They can't speak to the 999 service. So a service was set up for them to enable them to text them uh, and then have a communication. Now, this relies on your text message going, of course. And often it is said that they're not answered as quickly as a 999 call. You go to www.emergencysms.net and that might be something that you want to consider doing before you head off on a trip. So that's emergencysms.net. And by the way, if you do have poor phone signal, 
get up a little bit higher. It doesn't usually have to be, it could be just an arm's length high and you get a better signal. Uh, second one is plug the charging cable in that access a, a little bit of an extra aerial. If you've got Wi-Fi in the van, yeah. you can make a WhatsApp phone call. Absolutely. 100%. So, you know, you can use Wi-Fi for a phone call rather than just the normal yeah. uh, cellular device. So instead of us trying to solve all your problems before they happen, I suppose this podcast is all about you making all those checks, making sure that everything is okay and you're comfortable uh, with a seizure if something happens while you're camping or motorhoming yeah. uh, or taking the caravan away. It's your responsibility. We're just offering you a, uh, a few uh, uh, li- little twists and turns. But if you if we haven't mentioned something, if you know something or something which uh, has worked for you in the past, please get in touch and let us know. Yeah, we'd love to know. Uh, really helpful advice is what we're trying to source here. The thing is, when it goes wrong, you don't plan for that, do you? I did not plan to fall six foot six into the floor and put my wristwatch into my chest. That was definitely not in my plan that day, I can tell you. And if you asked me to plan that, I'd refuse. Uh, and so then it was about, right, how are we going to cope with you know, this going forward? And of course, we had a packet of ibuprofen with us. wasn't going to be enough. It helped. It took the edge off it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't actually give me ibuprofen, the medics, because I said I was asthmatic. So they gave me paracetamol. But I've taken ibuprofen for years so it's not an issue but it it is common sense mostly common sense and just taking a moment just to think right if something went wrong have i got the resources available to me to help me sort it remember most accidents that happen are just a series of related events and sometimes unrelated as well well there you go i hope that's been of use to you final one check your insurance policy, because as we uh, pointed out before, uh, your insurers could cover some of those emergencies without you knowing it. It's the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. One of my favourite parts of the podcast, listener queries. <laughs> Q&A. Yes, I, I, I'm decided to go Radio 4 on this one from now on. Listener queries. Listener queries. <laughs> Let's look into your listener queries. Terribly posh, yeah. really. I don't, think, no, I don't think you'll cut the grade. First of all, uh, I've got Paul Martin, who's a key account manager. He is. He's a key account manager. Uh, for toilet chemical disposal. He's not asking us a question. Can you just do the background on this one? Yeah, so we recently did an episode, Can I Empty My Toilet Cassette Into My Mains Connected Sewer Toilet at Home? Does that make sense? Mm, yes. We came back from Suffolk and got the toilet cassette out and was just about able to carry it. Um, it's half full, poured it down the toilet. And as I was doing it, I thought, yeah, we were using Thetford toilet chemical, actually. And and Paul came to mind. I'm sure he'd be delighted to know. <laughs> I'm thinking of him as I'm looking at our poo and wee from the week. The question came up is, can I pour the chemical into the main sewer? And the water company said, no. Yeah, they did. So uh, Paul said, I can only comment on Thetford toilet additives. Providing the instructions are followed with the correct amount of additive and water prior to using the cassette, then yes, when the tank needs emptying, it is okay to pour down a drain connected to the main sewer. So he says drain, but I mean in your toilet. The key there is it's sewer. You're not pouring it down the grey drain. It's going down the toilet into the waste sewer, the main sewer. Yep. So there you are. Thetford say using their chemical, if it's mixed with water, it's very diluted. Um, and Thetford's view is that's absolutely fine to pour down the sewer. What Wessex Water now do with that content of the sewer, totally out of my control. 
Yes. That's the issue, isn't it? I won't mention anything. Uh, we mentioned that in this part of the podcast because a lot of you have been uh, asking about this. It's a bit of a bone of a contention. John Gow is in Bracknell. As a terminally ill disabled person, it's difficult finding a van that ticks some essentials. Is there a podcast you've done on motorhomes designed for disabled people with mobility difficulties? Yeah, there certainly is, John. Yeah, episode 61, actually, was our wheelchair accessible and adapted motorhomes episode with the lovely people from Coach Built. So Kate joined us and gave us a bit of a tour of a Swift motorhome that they'd adapted. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was. And in that podcast, you'll find all the details uh, as to what your VAT status uh, will be and what you're entitled to, to. We won't go through the whole list now, but it is all in that podcast. Did you say podcast number? Number 61. 61. Yeah, and it's on YouTube as well. So um, if you search motorhome out on YouTube and search wheelchair, I'm sure you'll find yeah. it. And, and that podcast, by the way, the, the video one uh, is one. Uh, which gives you a lot of extra information. You can see uh, what you're going to be getting and what they can do, and it really is quite remarkable. Uh, Tom Kane is in Southampton. Hi, Matt. Just tuned in to your essentials for your motorhome video. It's very informative and helpful. I'm a complete newbie to motorhomes, and I've just picked up my first. I've got a Peugeot Eldis AutoQuest 140, 2006 model. I was thinking about coating the underside of the floor with a sealant or paint to prevent potential rot as it's made of plywood. Is this recommended or counterproductive? Also, is there anything to look out for when owning your first motorhome? Top tip there, Tom. Get a damp inspection done of that floor. It is made of wood. It's of an age when motorhomes were made of wooden construction which of course keeps the water in. So I would go and get a damp check professionally done and assuming it is dry, then yes, I think coating it is probably a very good idea. There are manufacturers of much newer motorhomes that now insist on this every year. Death lefts are one. In fact, the, the paint that they issue the dealership has a barcode uh, and it gets scanned to prove that you actually had the motorhome treated, which maintains the warranty. And I would continue getting damp checks as the first owner of a motorhome, habitation check and damp check every year, really important for your safety and also making sure if there is a problem in the motorhome, you spot it early. Damp can be the biggest enemy of a motorhome and it can be stopped if found early enough. David Wookie's in Amesbury just changed my motorhome to a transit-based one, uh, looking to get some mirror protection for the wing mirrors and can't find any. Do you sell them or know where I can get them, says David? So, yeah, we do sell them, actually, at thatleisureshop.com. Interestingly, the Ford Transit mirror guards or mirror protectors have become very difficult to get hold of. We've got loads more coming into stock. The Fiat ones are back in stock. It must be something to do with plastic and the availability of it. I don't know. Uh, but the Ford Transit ones have become very hard to find. That is true. Uh, but we have white ones and black ones coming back into stock. So keep an eye on thatleisureshop.com. Uh, and you'll be able to get some there. But my other tip on the mirror protection is go for the padded one. You can buy one which is just a clip-on cover. They tend to only be for the Fiat Ducato, Citroen Relay or Peugeot Boxer because they're all the same mirror. They're often chrome and they're very glitzy and they look lovely, but they don't offer any real protection. They're also much cheaper, £45 mark, whereas the ones that protect the mirror are padded and they have some absorption uh, capability and you are looking at £100 plus. I think ours are just over £100. But replacing the mirror costs? Replacing the mirror, if it's a Fiat mirror, you're looking at three or 400 quid. An expensive altercation. 
shall we say. Yeah, and, you know, it's that when you're going down the narrow road and two people are passing and everybody's doing what they should do and you just forget about the mirrors and that's, that. you know, yeah. and then your heart <coughs> sinks. Oh, no. Yeah, well, you can either plant it into a wall or a tree yeah. or the classic is the disused signpost where the sign's gone but the metal post is still in the hedge. Mm. I've had that happen. Boy, it makes a noise. Happened to me once where the mirror hit it so hard it folded in and then smashed the quarter light. Oh. So thanks, David, for that. So we will answer uh, your questions. It's nice to hear your voices as well, and you get the opportunity to record your questions, uh, should you wish to do so. What do people uh, need to do to ask you a question, Matt? Really easy. If you can go to our website, motorhomematt.co.uk forward slash ask Matt. There you hit the orange button where you can record your question. If you do, please tell us where in the country you are. As Keith says, we do love to hear your voice. Or you can, if you prefer, you can enter your question onto a form and submit it there. You can also find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and of course YouTube, uh, and you can message us there. And we do try and respond to the sensible questions quite regularly. So, yeah, keep it clean, keep it sensible, <laughs> and we'll respond. And remember, if you don't make the podcast, uh, Matt uh, usually does answer your questions uh, anyway. So, nothing too small, nothing too big, and nothing too silly. Over 100,000 downloads uh, for the audio podcast so far. We've got YouTube as well, and TikTok, uh, and all the rest of it. The Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with that leisure shop.com uh, is a huge influencer now in the industry and what about sponsoring uh, the motorhome matt podcast then matt if you want to reach our audience if you're listening to this you know who you are but if you're a potential sponsor of this podcast we'd love to hear from you we've launched some fantastic packages that mean you can give exposure to your brand to our audience and don't forget we're talking directly to your customers it'd be great to have you on board Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Thank you.